You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oftentimes when Jesus describes his kingdom, he describes it like a great party or a banquet, even a feast that someone would, you know, that someone would hold at the event of a wedding or something like that. And this morning, it is no different. The banquet of heaven has been prepared. It comes from the Father's kindness, God the Father's kindness, a kindness that has been purchased by the blood of His Son, and a kindness that makes Him to send His Spirit into the world with His invitation of grace, an invitation that says, Come, for everything is now ready. And so the Lord bids you to come to this place to enjoy the feast of His mercy and joy, to find peace for your troubled consciences. Dear saints, when you come to this church, when you come to hear the Lord's word being preached, you are not coming to a funeral reception. You are coming to a banquet. The great marriage feast of Christ and his bride, the church, of whom you are a member. This feast will happen before your eyes without end when Jesus comes on the very last day. But today, this feast is happening here at Hope by God's promise and by faith, by the hymns that we sing, by the eating and the drinking of the heavenly food of Jesus' body and his blood. You should know that the church exists for this purpose and for this purpose alone. To feast, not to mourn, not to lament the vanquished foes of sin, death, and the devil. The church does not exist to bemoan her troubles in this world, but to rejoice in her Lord's wedding address when he says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. The reason why you and I know how to feast, the reason why you and I know that we should feast, is because God has taught us how. He has opened our eyes not only to anticipate His Son's eternal banquet with hope, but He also wants us to delight ourselves in the blessings of this bodily life. God wants you to be happy when you gather together to celebrate a wedding. He wants you to have a party when you get together to celebrate a baptism. He wants you to eat and to drink with your friends, to rejoice in their company. 
when the rest of the world loses itself to despair with their empty feasts of drunkenness and gluttony, we remember the Lord's kindness, and for that reason, we feast as the Lord intends. And for that reason, Christian feasting will always be better. Because we know the Lord. We know from whom all good things come. There was a man sitting at the table with Jesus, listening to Jesus preach and teach this kingdom and the feasting of this kingdom. This man, being a Pharisee, probably sought to impress Jesus. He said, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. No doubt he thought himself clever (laughs) in concocting this half-baked beatitude, but you can almost see Jesus' sideways glance at at the man, the skeptical frown. And so, in response, Jesus tells this parable about the banquet. And he doesn't mean it to encourage its hearers. Jesus preaches this parable as a rebuke. The men that were sitting at the table with Jesus imagined that the banquet was theirs, that they deserved to be there, they had every right. Jesus looks them in the face and says, because you think you have the right, because you think you have a place, those of you who have been invited shall not taste the banquet. The invitation instead goes to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Those are the ones who will come to the feast. The men who are sitting at the table, we could probably use any number of words to describe them, but a good one would be comfortable. They were comfortable with who they were. They were comfortable with what they did and with how they lived their lives. You see, they weren't waiting for an invitation from Jesus to go and to feast with him. Instead, they wanted Jesus to come to their house, to feast at their banquet, to respond to their invitation. So so highly minded were they of themselves. Because honestly, they were above the invitation that Jesus wanted to preach. The invitation that Jesus cares about is an invitation that is a preaching of repentance. His invitation is meant for sinners, and because it is meant for sinners, they could not abide it. They thought to themselves, why should we Pharisees, the men who love God and our neighbors for all the world to see, need to turn from our evil ways? That's absurd. I don't need what Jesus gives. I'm beyond that already.
The law may have touched their actions, the actions of their hands as they worked to put money into, their, into the beggar's hands. The law may even have touched their lips as they stood in the temple and as they said the words of worship. But the law had not yet touched their hearts, nor would they let it. Because Jesus says they had excuses. They had better things to do than to meditate on the possibility that the Ten Commandments might possibly have a greater purpose than teaching people how to be good towards one another or how to appear to the rest of the world as if you are a decent person. And Jesus tells us that in their excuses, you can discover just how far they were from the law and just how far they were from the very first commandment to not have any other gods. Listen to these men. The first man says to the servant, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. The second man says, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And in case you are wondering, five yoke of oxen, I'm pretty sure is equivalent to like a Ford F-250. <laughs> the third man says, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now, all of this is not incredulous. On the other hand, on the other hand, you see that The parable is a bit off from what we would expect in this world. It's not incredulous. You see, imagine imagine the stories that these men are telling the messengers. I bought property. I have to go and, and see to it. You're offering me the chance to go to a party with a man that I already know, that I've spent time with. Uh, I know this man. I know his voice. But look, I bought property, and I have to be diligent in taking care of it. It's reasonable. A party on one hand and taking care of an investment on the other. So also it is with the five yoke of oxen. I've got to make sure that my money has bought something worth it, you know. I could go to a party, but it seems more prudent to actually go and look in and to look in on the things uh, uh, that might serve me better in the future. A party supposedly only lasts a night, but these yoke of oxen will serve me much longer. And so also, if I have a wife, if I have a wife that I've just married, wouldn't it be more prudent to spend time together than to go off into banquets with a man that I've known my entire life? Surely he must understand if I cannot come. But this parable is not an exact mirror of how things are in this world. Because, unlike what these men think, the banquet that Jesus is talking about is infinitely more valuable than a piece of land that you can buy for money. The banquet is infinitely more valuable than oxen that will serve you and work for you. Yes, even the banquet is more valuable than your spouse. It is more valuable than your family. 
Their mistake is in thinking that the invitation of the banquet, the invitation to fear and to love and to trust in God above all things is just one thing besides many others, that they can be kept on the same level, that my works in these places can be just as good as the works according to the first commandment. I hope I don't have to draw out the applications for those who would despise going to church, who would not desire to go to church or to hear the preaching of the Word and the divine service because they have more important, than, more important things in life that come up. Just realize that pastors hear this all the time when we say, come to church. And you hear, but I've just married a wife. (laughs) But I must go and see these people over there that I know and spend time away from church for whatever reason or other. I mean, when these men turned their messengers back, and indeed when the invitation is set aside in our own day, What is betrayed is the condition of the hearts of those people. They are hardened, and they are uncaring. They don't need the feast. Because, like I said, it is one thing among others, and they see themselves as somehow above it, above the invitation, beyond it. And that is to say that they do not know their sin. And therefore they have amassed for themselves gods. Things to displace the banquet of God's mercy. Even though that these things pale in comparison to the glory of the banquet that God has set before us. Jesus rebukes us just as he rebukes the Pharisees and says concerning these men that none of those who were invited shall taste my banquet. Remember that these Pharisees had the Holy Scriptures, just as many people in our own day have the Holy Scriptures. They have the Bible in their house, you know. They had a pastor who would preach to them. They even had baptism. They had the Lord's mercy, but they didn't need it. That's because they thought that by having the law, they had enough. And for that reason and that reason alone, they they wouldn't taste the banquet prepared for sinners. For those who have heard the law and actually discovered that it is meant not for their righteousness so that they could prove themselves to be good people before the world or even before God's throne. But through the law, they discovered their unrighteousness and their sin and their condemnation. 
You see, the law, when it does its true work of exposing our corruption and our sin, it will not allow the luxury of amassing gods for ourselves. The law rips them away and leaves a man impoverished and crushed with nothing to call his own. And the Lord's house must be filled. Those who love this life and love the cares of this life don't have time for the invitation nor the feast. They can't have time. But the messengers go on. The Lord's word continues its courts. And when men won't hear the preaching of God's word, preachers will find other people who will. They find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. They find the men who have nothing. They find the men who, in hearing the invitation, can do nothing but to receive it with joy. The Lord's word will strike their ears as rain on parched ground. Our Lord is merciful. And from his love, he has prepared a feast for those who are poor in spirit, for those who have been laid low by the law, who cannot use the law to make themselves greater, but who discover that the preaching of repentance is exactly meant for them. From the Lord's kindness, he has prepared a feast for sinners who have discovered the luxury of idols to be nothing but vanity. And thanks be to God, dear saints. You are not above the invitation. And that's why you're here. You know your need. You know how blind your sin has made you. You know how weak your flesh is. You know the law. But you also know Jesus. Jesus speaks to you. And he says, I love you. He says, yes, you are a sinner, but see, I, I have died for you. Come and receive my mercy. Receive my kindness. Here is my invitation. And this is your honor, your glory, and your righteousness. The Lord grant us faith to receive this mercy always. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.